Welcome to the latest episode of The Gavel Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Christopher. The Gavel Podcast is the official podcast of Sigma New Fraternity and is a show dedicated to keeping you updated on the operations of the Legion of Honor and connecting you to the stories from our brotherhood. To find out more from the fraternity, you can always check out our website at sigmanu.org. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HQ or by searching for Sigma New Fraternity. All right. Christopher. Um, with our, our uh, regularly scheduled uh, lines that we deliver out of the way, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself, Adam? Mm. I'm doing wonderful, man. I, I got to do a, a, uh, a Minnesota tradition this weekend, uh, some curling, uh, which I was terrible at, but uh, had a good time. But honestly, I thought it was going to be like bowling where like, you know, you can it, you can go, anybody can just go bowl. You're not going to throw, throw a 300 or whatever, like perfect game, but you're not going to get a gutter ball every single time. But like... I did the curling equivalent of getting a gutter ball every single time. Like, I either was too short, too far, way off to the side. Like, it was hard, man. <clears throat> hey, I don't know what gave you that impression. Uh, I think if you look <laughs> at the athletes uh, from this most recent uh, Winter Olympics, uh, those men are peak performers. Uh, that is yeah. what the body looks like at its peak uh, peak performance. So. Uh, curling yeah. yeah well it was funny cause there, there was a there was um i'm pretty sure a like girls high school team or or maybe college team they're like practicing or maybe they're just like a i don't know if it's uh just exhibition or whatever it is but they were there practicing and then like pushing off and in the the lunge position like all the way down the ice and um getting their warm-ups in and then and then doing like uh curling practice i guess and they had these like accelerometers that were telling them how fast they were pushing off like really really uh precise and and watching some of the people that knew what they were doing it was like oh yes there is a there is a significant amount of like learning and and uh finesse that you need to have so that was that was kind of neat um yeah but, well, i'm uh, glad you got that experience it feels very yeah. Relevant to the, our topic today, talking about uh, connecting to your cultural heritage. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful segue. Um, yeah. So, so our our um, interview this week is is really neat. Um, so, this is actually um, an interview with uh, a, a a brother, uh, an alumnus of ours, Carl Jackson, who um, has been studying um, his own family history, genealogy, and, and all of that. He's been studying it for like the last thirty years. He said. Um, and and has you know, a lot of awesome information for for us there. And we actually had him on last week um, for a live webinar that we do. Um, which, if that's news to you, um, welcome to uh, uh, Sigma News live webinar series that, that we have ongoing. Um, lots of wonderful topics. Uh, you know, kind of interest topics like this, like like a you know genealogy. Um, and we have uh, we've done recently um, Thanksgiving cooking uh, webinar, uh, which was really cool. We had uh, Chef John come in and, and do a um, couple of side dishes, so that was cool. And then we have um, you know some different stuff like uh, um, educational stuff for for members for alumni. So you know alumni volunteers series. We have a lot of. Um, you know, careers in uh, different fields. Uh, so if you're if you're a uh, soon-to-be graduate or maybe a younger member in the fraternity, even and interested in a particular career, we have our, our careers in series as well. Um, so definitely uh, want to plug that here because uh, that's where where this um, episode kind of span stems from is our live webinar series. Uh, so sigmanew.org slash webinars. Um, go ahead and check it out and, and uh, sign up for uh, future webinars. Uh, for the most part, they are no cost uh, to the participant. Um, you know, there might be some that, that have a, a small cost. For example, the, the Chef John um, cooking series has a small cost associated with it. Um, but, uh, but other than that, um, free uh, for, for uh, members to attend. Uh, so definitely check those out. Um, some really 
really neat stuff. But yeah, so we'll, we'll get into our interview in a little while here with uh, Carl Jackson about um, genealogy. Um, but did want to plug on the topic of um, alumni, uh, volunteers, as well as collegiate learning. Um, I think we have some institutes coming up. Do you want to care to speak about that, Christopher? <laughs> I was just going to see how long of a, uh, a segment you were going to go for there. No. <laughs> I was going to interject and say... Segway um, King, man. Come on. <laughs> that was like a, a a very long meandering stroll rather than a segue. No, I knew exactly uh, where I was going. Come on, I'm a professional, <laughs> man. Well, I was I was in, actually intending to comment on uh, the webinar portion uh, over your webinar plug. I uh, kind of a little bit of a behind the scenes here for people who um, aren't as intimately aware of the ongoing server staff, but you know. Not all of us are in the loop on the day-to-day activities of different departments. And so, you know, while I, as the director of communications, you know, assist Adam and our senior director of of engagement, uh, Justin Winger, in publicizing and making known our webinar series, um, I am not in the day-to-day process of selecting the topics and uh, working with our guest speakers to get them prepared for the webinars and all of that. And so I just wanted to give Adam on this call a tip of the hat because I think he's been doing an excellent job um, and really do truly hope that uh, alumni and collegiate, uh, collegiate members who have the opportunity to listen to this podcast uh, take seriously this invitation to check out some of our webinars because they really are a cool value add that I think the fraternity is providing. I, I say that not only is just a... Um, you know, a staff member who is proud of the work that's being produced, but also, you know, as an alumnus who's really excited about some of these topics, has had the opportunity to attend, um, has found uh, them incredibly valuable, including the conversation that we get to have today, bringing the webinar conversation to the podcast format uh, to give you a little bit of a sneak peek, kind of, uh, into the types of conversations that we're getting to have over on the webinar webinar platform. Content Uh, synergy, Christopher. Content synergy. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Adam, so you uh, you queued me up, uh, although I did not initially take the offer, uh, to talk about our upcoming Sigma Nu Institute. Um, so for alum, alumni volunteers um, and uh, maybe previous chapter officers who are listening to this, you will likely be familiar uh, with the Sigma Nu Institute. Um, that is going to be taking place again uh, this upcoming uh, 2023 Um the Sigma Nu Institute is a curriculum that is designed to complement the College of Chapters experience, College of Chapters being the fraternity's premier um, officer training uh, academy, if you will, for our collegiate commanders. Uh, every January 3rd through 6th, our commanders gather in Roanoke, Virginia uh, to go through intensive officer training, uh, strategic planning training. Um, you know, they get basically a fire hose blasted at them of important information that they need to know to make their chapter off their chapter successful. Well, the institutes is designed to uh, supplement that by giving an additional uh, swath of officers, uh, the tools and resources that they need to support the commander uh, in his work to effectively change the chapter and help them uh, pursue excellence. Um, In the past, we used to offer the Sigma Nu institutes in person at various locations across the country. Um, uh, in in response to the pandemic, but, uh, you know, in a way this kind of made us realize the, the tangible benefits of a virtual experience, um, the Sigma Nu Institute has moved to a virtual format. And so we offer two virtual sessions as well as one uh, session for alumni volunteers, uh, dates on those just a moment. Um, but now we have the opportunity for more people to attend um, you know, it used to be that, you know, if a institute wasn't conveniently located uh, to your area, it may have been hard to attend. Some of our chapters, it would have taken them a day's worth of driving to attend. Uh, and that is unreasonable to expect. Um, yeah. So the virtual institutes do provide us the opportunity to serve more of our collegiate members and alumni. Um, so we're excited to, to continue uh, those virtual sessions. In the future, we may return to in-person. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but we are in conversation about it. Uh, but in the meantime, I strongly recommend any volunteers who may be listening, any collegiate officers, uh, make sure you register. Uh, registration will be up soon. Um, it is not yet up Um 
but I believe if you go to, and I'm typing this in to double check uh, <laughs> right now, sigmanu.org slash institute. Make sure that that link in, it, it, link in our uh, episode description, obviously. It uh, did. As, as with everything that, that, that we mentioned, uh, um, no need to uh, to pause and, and write down a, a web address. It'll uh, Christopher does a wonderful job of putting these uh, um, notes in our, our episode notes. So if you have access to that through your podcatcher, uh, you can you can find it there. Hey, no need to hedge for me. I got it right on no, the first I'm try. I'm not hedging. I'm vamping. That's true. www.sigmanu.org slash institute will take you right to uh, the registration page for the Sigmanu Institute. Um, So you'll be able to get information there. There's also a link that will take you over to the alumni and volunteers portal for uh, registration for that institute. Um, Important information about the institutes. um, The Volunteer (coughs) Training Institute actually takes place first. That's going to be on Wednesday, January 18th. Um, it'll take place from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so make note of that. So Wednesday, January 18th. And then the collegiate uh, version of the Institute, uh, we're going to offer two different sessions. Um, one on Saturday, January 21st from 1 to f- uh, 5 p.m. Eastern. And then another on Saturday, January 28th. So the following weekend from 1 to 5 p.m. Pacific or 4 to 8 p.m. Eastern if you're, if you're on the East Coast. Um, the institutes are provided uh, that way so that we're giving, uh, you know, no matter what coast you're on or close, close, what coast you're closest to, there we go, coast closest <clears throat> to, uh, you still have the opportunity to attend an institute that makes the most sense for you. Anybody can attend any institute if you're a Pacific coaster, uh, and you are wanting to attend the session that is prioritized for Eastern Coast and Eastern Coast audience, you're more than welcome to attend that and vice versa. Um, but again, more information can be found at sigmanu.org slash institute. Yeah, or if you're an East Coaster that likes to sleep in until 3 p.m. Um, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on an average day, uh, yeah, absolutely. We've got a, an institute for you. You can uh, join in on that West Coast. Uh, well, awesome. Yeah, um, definitely, like Christopher said, some very valuable information there for those. Uh, if you're an officer who uh, did not get to attend College of Chapters as a, an additional participant, um, you, you're going to get a lot of, of that information, and it synergizes really well with uh, the, the curriculum that our commanders and, and uh, second participants are getting at College of Chapters. So um, definitely a great kickoff for our, our brand new officers. Um, as excited as you are to get into the position, we are just as excited for you uh, to go out and uh, affect change in your community and uh, um, in your chapter with your position. Um, you know, it's a very exciting time. So let's uh, let's give you some of the the practical skills to uh, to accomplish the things that you'd like to go accomplish. So uh, we are always every year very proud of our our officers and our uh, our commanders and the the. Our chapters is the, the what they're able to accomplish, and that is through the skills gained at uh, at these. Um, educational sessions that they're able to attend so um, definitely uh, try to attend that and also I think uh, to one of the the benefits of the uh, online version well in person and online but um, online uh, specifically is uh, you being able to network with uh, fellow officers that are you know across the country I I know um, from experience uh, working uh, at some of these institutes that uh, um, you know a big takeaway is getting a uh, a couple of guys contacts and being able to uh, reach back out to them and you know maybe a fellow alumni chairman alumni relations chairman and you get to um, talk about events that you're doing and um, share ideas and all that stuff so on top of the the curriculum that you're getting you're also getting that that networking um, available there with that so um, pretty neat experience um, Christopher any other plugs or anything else before we dive into our interview no I think that's it Okay, awesome. So our, our interview today, um, as I mentioned, is a kind of a follow-on um, from our webinar that we did uh, with uh, Brother Carl Jackson um, last week. Uh, and uh, so definitely check out those webinars, check out the institutes, um, and uh, and listen to our wonderful interview uh, with Brother Carl Jackson about genealogy and family history. Let's go. Sword were knighted, blessed by the stars. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to our interview for uh, the today. Um, very excited to have our, our guest with us uh, this wonderful morning, um, coming at you live from here in, in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, or at least I am. Um, today we have with us uh, Carl Jackson, brother Carl Jackson, uh, who is a, a retired middle school principal and educator. Um, and today we're going to talk about uh, researching family history and genealogy. Um, so Carl's been researching his own family history for more than 30 years um, and has a lot of really great advice for us. Uh, we actually just yesterday had our uh, live webinar uh, with Brother brother Carl um, and uh, went really well. We had a lot of great attendance and a lot of great discussion and questions and um, all around I thought it was a really enjoyable webinar. Um, so Carl currently serves as chapter advisor for Ada Gamma at Georgia State. Um, he has a BA from Georgia State and a Master of Education from uh, the University of Georgia. Um, <clears throat> He's also an active member of the Sons of the American Revolution, um, so kind of a, a neat connection there, being able to trace um, lineage back to uh, to the American Revolution. So pretty neat stuff. Um, Carl, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Well, I'm excited to be here. It's a great topic. I love the topic, and I, I think that a lot of us somehow really want to get involved with finding out who our family members in the past have been, and frankly, it's just kind of getting started is the tough part. So maybe yeah, we can... I know, yeah, sorry, I was gonna say, I know I'm particularly excited about this topic. I wanted to attend yeah. uh, the webinar yesterday, but wasn't able to. So uh, now I get the chance to ask the questions that I was interested in uh, during this uh, webinar record or this podcast recording. Terrific. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I um, think one thing, let me just say this. I think that a lot of us, particularly folks that may be on this podcast, it's when you're working, you have a career and, uh, you know, you're trying to you know figure all of this out. Time is more of an issue than actually finding the other tools. But getting started, there are a lot of things you can do at home now that you could not do just a few years ago because of the Internet and because of all the tools available. So uh, I'm excited to talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, Carl, before we dive into to, um, genealogy and family history, um, would love to to hear um, you know your Sigma Nu story. I, I think that's uh, an important part of your history, and you know maybe someday uh, um, future generations doing family history research might stumble on this podcast and get a, get a little glimpse of your Sigma Nu story. If you wouldn't mind sharing, Adam, I'll be glad to. And, and Sigma Nu has been a huge part of my life since 1974. I graduated from high school in '74. I uh, was going to just attend Georgia State University in Atlanta for about a year and then transfer. Uh, I met the Sigma News on campus. They rushed me hard and uh, it really changed my life. It allowed me to stay in Atlanta. Uh, it was a great group of friends to this day. They're some of the uh, best friends that I have on this planet. And uh, I really enjoy working with the younger guys. I'm chapter advisor of Eta Gamma now, and it's been really fun to, after having been a middle school principal, dealing with a little bit older group of guys. And, and usually that works out really well. The, the, the middle school guys and the college guys are quite a bit different, but uh, it, ha it does help that I had a little bit of an uh, opportunity to uh, work with uh, you know, a lot of young people in their teens before I began to work with our uh, uh, active chapter. And we've got a great chapter and I enjoy working with them. And uh, that's, the, that's a big part of my Sigma Nu life right now. I also chair the Atlanta Honorary Board, which is a fundraiser for our national organization. And I've gained a lot of uh, good friends uh, across the country and the region because of that. So Sigma Nu is a big part of my life. It has been. And I enjoy giving back a little bit. That's awesome. Um, so just a second ago, I mentioned that uh, I was particularly excited about your webinar, uh, had registered, was getting ready to attend, and unfortunately, a conflict came up that prevented me from being able to listen. Uh, so selfishly, I'm excited that I now get to ask you the questions that uh, that I was wanting to bring to that conversation. Um, but I know for me, like when I saw the topic, you know, Adam was, uh, you know, doing an awesome job of, of coordinating these really interesting uh, webinar topics that we have. And I saw this one and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really excited about that because a few years ago I got in, uh, uh, I, I guess I joined the bag or the bandwagon of the 23andMe movement uh, mm -hmm. for a lot of people who were, um, you know, there was kind of an intense, I think, interest in this topic specifically because that service had recently launched or recently had a, had gained a lot of appeal. And so 
I went through that process. I had a lot of my my family members who did as well. But then even recently, I, I have found that while the the genetic history was really fascinating, and and I did get my some of my ancestry reports. Um, you know, I you know I get to see like the family tree tool that twenty three andme generates, and it's incomplete and it doesn't really provide you with a lot of the opportunities to kind of then explore, you know, family records or to kind of do a deeper dive into your past. And so I was really interested to kind of go into the webinar thinking like, Hey, what other tools are, are going to, uh, to be helpful if I'm interested in exploring that further. So I know uh, we'll ask you more about those tools in a moment, but you know, that's my genealogy kind of story, you know, Carl, for you, like what got you interested in this um, and where did you start? Well, and I, I began probably when I was in my mid-30s. So age-wise, I wasn't too far off from, you know, where you guys are right now. Uh, I didn't really know where to start. And I had talked with some family members. I had a little bit of information. But uh, it, it, I think the thing that, that got me hooked was when I talked to, to a couple of cousins and began to get a few stories. And uh, in the early 90s, when I was in my mid-30s, my mother passed away. She had a lot of that information. And it made me realize that folks are not going to be here forever. The folks that we all take for granted, our our grandparents, our parents, our aunts and uncles and cousins are not going to be here. So what really got me started was kind of a, I thought, wow, these people, a lot of them are aging out and I need to get the information. They know these people that lived in the 1800s and I need to get that so that I have that. And so I kind of went on a quest. I called some cousins. Uh, they put me in touch via email, which had become available by the 90s. And I was able to carry on a correspondence and begin to really gather uh, a, together a network of cousins and people. Uh, at that time, unlike today, nothing was available really on the Internet. There was no Ancestry.com generally available or 23andMe. So a lot of it was, you know, sending emails out, finding message boards online with family names. And so I went through that process. Uh, I visited, uh, and and this is still important, I visited a lot of courthouses. Uh, I'm fortunate I'm in Atlanta, in the metro Atlanta area. Most of my family's from uh, Georgia and uh, Alabama and maybe a little into the uh, Carolinas. And I was able to take a day off here and there and drive to courthouses and pull marriage records and uh, probate records for wills. And, you know, once I kind of knew what I was looking for. So uh, that was a process in those days. A lot of that now you mentioned, you know, that 23andMe was uh, kind of what got you started. Uh, a lot of that information in Ancestry.com is, is available more so than 23andMe. They really have two different functions, I think, that maybe, you know, the, that you kind of articulated. 23andMe is really kind of a DNA site that kind of does family history as a part of it. Ancestry is, is a family history site where they build a lot of family, you know, uh, trees. And the DNA piece is an adjunct to it. You can use only the DNA feature, but if you're not using the whole feature of tying the trees to the DNA, it, it you're missing the, the, the essence of it. Um, I have not, in full disclosure, have not done a 23andMe test yet. I will, because I think it's that there's a that's a good site. But I use typically Ancestry, and, and that's that's where the tools are today, I think, that most of us uh, uh, need with our busy lives. Absolutely. Um, Carl, have you, you know, this is maybe prying a little bit, but in your discovery, did you, like, discover anything that was particularly fascinating or surprising? I did. And, you know, I get a quick story. I uh, my DNA was out there and I had uh, my wife warned me. She said, you know, if you put your DNA out there, is there anything that might happen that you don't know about? Well, the good news (laughs) is it didn't happen to me directly. I had no Uh DNA that was unaccounted for, but but I did. (laughs) It can happen. So be careful. Uh, But I did get a contact from a lady in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And she said, could we talk? And she asked me if my uncle, if my uncle was so-and-so. And I said, yes. And it, I said, well, give me a call. Let's talk. And we talked on the phone. It turned out that uh, my uncle had uh, had a, an affair with a lady at the end of World War II. And they had a, there was a child that came out of that affair. And I was talking to her on the phone. She's my first cousin. And she had kind of always knew her 
who her uh, birth father was, but had no connection to him. She waited until he was gone and until his wife was gone. And then she approached the families. And uh, as a cousin, I was really excited. We were kind of interested to see how the actual half siblings would feel about it. But interestingly enough, they, we had a big family reunion. Uh, we've become very close to her and her family. I've been to her home. She's been to ours. And it's, it's a wonderful experience. She's my first cousin, and I'm probably closer to her than really any of my other first cousins that I've known all my life. So that was a huge, huge discovery. And I was really excited about that. So that's the best part of it, guys, is, is when you find the people along the way when you're doing this detective research look at things. The best part is the people that you meet, your second and third and even first cousins you didn't know, and they become family that you didn't know that you had. And that's really, to me, the best part of it. It's really, yeah, really uh, is funny incredible. that you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to add really quickly that that same experience happened to my mother when she um, had done the 23andMe service that she got connected to uh, a distant cousin who was kind of in a similar situation, uh, had you know, come from a, you know, a, 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 an offshoot of a relationship. Um, but they unfortunately haven't been able to get connected as closely as it sounds like you have with, right. with your uh, distant relative. Um, I believe um, this individual lives in the, the, in New York state, I believe in the upstate. Uh, and so my mother lives in North Carolina. So it was a little bit um, difficult for them to kind of arrange opportunities to, to spend time together, but they have connected um, and it is it is interting, you know, the discoveries that you make through the, the this opportunity. Uh, it it really, really is. It really is. And 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 one other while we're talking about DNA, one other thing that I found, my surname is Jackson. I've always considered myself a Jackson. I've have researched my line back uh, to my second great grandfather who was born in 1825 in Georgia, but I couldn't get past that 1825 date for him. And I thought, well, that's odd. And Jackson's a very common name, so it's sometimes hard to put the families together because there's so many of them. It turns out that because of DNA that a cousin of mine that I work with on this and I, we did our DNA and got to doing the research. It turns out that apparently my family was not named Jackson before 1825. All of my cousins in that line are Blake's B L A K E. And there's a whole Blake family there. And apparently my second great grandfather was originally a Blake. And we speculate that maybe he was a, child from a, an affair before the, uh, the before his father got married, or maybe uh, a child from another wife that we're unaware of or whatever, but he, we don't know why he took the name Jackson. We speculate, but we don't know. And all of a sudden, all of my thoughts about being a Jackson, I've only, my family's only had that name for 200 years. It's a long time. But I yeah, expected only something. Years. Yeah, but but you know, so many of these lines, and particularly my lines, because most of mine are English, and they were here early and uh, on in the uh, colonies. That was a real surprise to me. So it kind of shook me to the core in a good way. It's like, wow, what a mystery this is. We haven't figured it out yet, but the DNA is absolutely it doesn't lie. So uh, it's put us on another course of investigation, and uh, we may never know the answer, but it's it's quite a story within our family. It, it so I, I like to draw a parallel here to um, you know a, a favorite genre of, of, of movie of mine um, of the last couple of years, which has been like recolorized uh, old footage, uh, notably. Um, uh, Peter Jackson directed a World War One documentary called uh, "They Shall Not Grow Old." I think I might be butchering the name, but um, regardless, really, really incredible recoloring and and remastering of this old footage. Where um, you know, if you like me, I grew up watching the History Channel, and I would see the footage like this, but it's always really grainy, and it's it's the the frame rate is really low compared to what we're used to going and seeing. You know, a a modern um, you know, movie or, or something shot with a you know high speed camera now, um, but then watching that recolored, it's it's almost like oh wow these were these were human beings that that existed and had feelings and and lives and all of these things and you know that to me is kind of what it reminds me of like what you're doing here right because you can look at. Um, a newspaper article or you know, something like that that has a birth record or a death record, but then you start to get some of these these pieces where it's like, oh, you know, my my second great grandfather 
changed his name at some point or there was a, a shift in the last name, why was that? And now you're starting to color in and, and fill in these blanks and, and really start to see your ancestors not just as ambiguous, just a, a name and a birth and death date, uh, you may be on a grave marker or something like that, but really like a full-fledged human being with a life and with relationships and um, you know, struggles, successes, turmoils, like all of this cool stuff. Like that's just so so fascinating to be able to start to to color all that in um yeah i just uh it's such a neat thing well it is and let me say first of all that's a fantastic movie that you reference i when it, it came out it came out in a limited release and i remember going at like 10 o'clock at night on a weekday to be able to see it in the theater and it was so I did it too <laughs> yep it was so cool to, to be able to see it and it was uh, it, it it really your point to your point it it make they're human it make it humanizes them they're not just some, yeah. uh, just an image that moves on a screen you felt like you got to know those guys in the trenches and you know mm -hmm. there are you know there are some features in ancestry it's funny you mentioned that but ancestry.com has a feature that I don't really use but I, I haven't had a chance to play with it but you can take older photographs and they will colorize it digitally colorize it oh, cool and if it's a and it clears that up and it it makes all of a sudden it's almost, it puts you there with them. And I think that's what a mm -hmm. quest that a lot of us have is to kind of get to know them better. Who were they and learn those stories. Um, I'll give you another quick example, guys, that, that uh, when my, my dad served in World War II and uh, he, he, he was in the Navy, he landed at Normandy at Omaha beach. And then he was uh, on, his ship was almost sunk at uh, Okinawa. So he was in both theaters uh, uh, during the war and but so I always heard his stories and he talked about the war. But after my parents died, I was cleaning out their house as you do and going through things. And I found a box of letters and every letter that my father sent in four years during the war to my mother uh, were in a box that she kept. And it gave and, and I so it gave me this this window into my parents who were no longer here. And I got to see them as just, you know, 21, 22 year old young adults in the middle of this incredible, you know, world situation and his, all of his thoughts while he was overseas. And I was looking for the big hitter, like, you know, tell me about, you know, your experience at Omaha beach or whatever. It was mm -hmm. mundane things like, well, you gas rationing is tough. And if you need tires for the car, you can buy used tires from this guy. I'd, you know, go see so-and-so or take some money to my mom or whatever. And it was just their day-to-day -day lives, but it really gave me a window into, you know, to that great generation uh, before I ever existed and, and kind of the way that they saw the world. So I would encourage everybody that's on that journey to look for letters, talk to your, talk to your cousins, talk to your aunts and uncles, uh, take a tape recorder, a video record them, get that information from them because it makes them come to life. And one caution, Adam, that we talked a little bit about when, when we gathered the last time was that we can't look at history always through our eyes today. Mm -hmm. um, we can't we can look at it through our eyes, but we can't judge them based on our standards and morals and whatnot from today. These people lived in a different, much more difficult time. And we have to study the history around them. We need to study the locations where they were to really understand who those people are. So I would encourage people as they go through that journey to bring them to life, like the colorization of those, of that, you know, those documentaries, I would tell you to yeah. go and, and kind of colorize who those people were by learning the history of their towns or cities and how they interacted with those folks. So, um, I think Christopher, you you had mentioned earlier that you'd like to hear about um, your resources and stuff like that. Did you have a, a specific question that you wanted to ask, or not in particular? You know, I do not have experience with ancestry, and so I'm coming to the table, you know, looking for more information about that, which it sounds like Carl has. Um, but you know, Carl, if you want to talk more about uh, your ancestry.com experience, or if you have any other resources, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. And I don't want to make this an Ancestry.com commercial, but, uh, you know, I will say, you Sick know what? News, sponsored by yeah, Ancestry.com. Ancest yeah, really. Hey, if we can. We're not actually available. full disclosure. No, yeah, that's that's a joke. <laughs> well, let me, then, Crystal, let me, let me do this. Let me just start it out with, you know, all of these resources are available mainly because of the uh, uh, Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints, the LDS Church, the Mormons. Mm -hmm. 
they uh, it's, it's 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 important to understand that the in the Mormon faith that they have a uh, a sacrament uh, temple sacrament that uh, is a proxy baptism of ancestors. So if you're they can bring their predecessors into the Mormon faith by proxy. So they go out and do all this incredible history research. And if you can go, you go to any library of Congress, local, uh, you know, regional library, and there'll be a ladies from the Mormon church in there on weekdays going through and you'll hear them say, well, Salt Lake needs this or that. And they're, they, they research all the history of all the people here in the United States and they, they, they scan it, they put it online, they make it available. Ancestry takes advantage of it along with other services. So we, we owe the uh, Mormons a great debt in that, and they've shared this. And if you're researching and trying to get started and you have a local Mormon uh, church available, many of them have a research room and volunteers that will help you get started. So that's a great way to get started with your search on your folks. And they, and they're really good at teaching that. So, so let me, that's, that's one resource that I highly recommend. And, and I think most people don't know that. And uh, so we owe the Mormons, you know, the LDS folks, a big uh, thank you. Let me talk just quickly. If you're going to get started these days, don't do it just on paper, do it online. So you can use a variety of services. Ancestry typically is the one that is the uh, most, uh, the most extensive. It's the one I use. Just for uh, people need to know it's about $22 a month is what I pay for mm-hmm. access to North American records. If you want to go worldwide, you pay $33 a month. And then they have an all access okay. feature with all their databases for $50 a month. So you can get started at $21 or $22 a month. And it's usually within everybody's budget. Um, <clears throat> you might consider if you're getting started not to, you can do a trial with Ancestry. I've heard someone the other day in our last meeting, they talked about just doing a trial for a week or two to see if it's something that you want to do. Uh, but, but when you're ready to go, they, they offer a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of features. Let me mention some other things you can do. Family Tree Builder is uh, software you can put on your computer. Roots Magic, Legacy, a family historian and family tree maker are all things that you can put on your computer. You can create something called a GEDCOM, G-E-D, GEDCOM, GED.com file that you can upload to a service like Ancestry later. So if you want to do it on your computer and don't want to pay so much yet while you're collecting your data from relatives and, and uh, grandparents and cousins, you can put it all there rather than just putting it on paper and begin to build your family tree and then you upload it into Ancestry.com. That's what I did when Ancestry's features became richer. So uh, that's that's one feature. Uh, resources, though, it's always good to go firsthand. So you can take some of your vacation time during the year when you're traveling. Uh, go to some of the places where ancestors were. You can go to local universities. I, you know, I, I got my grandfather's transcripts from Illinois College. Uh, he attended there in the 1890s, and they sent me his transcripts in the local Greek organization that he was a part of uh, on his campus. Um, there are also uh, the local public libraries. I did a lot of research there. There are city directories that are available. There are books available there that you wouldn't find online on Ancestry or any other place. So those local libraries of the towns where your ancestors were are huge. The state archives here in Georgia, our state archives is tremendous. They are in a big brand new facility down south of Atlanta. And you can go there and work with people and they can help you pull information that you can't actually physically get to. They can get it for you. Uh, From the state archives, I got my one of my great grandfather's Confederate uh, records uh, when he applied for his uh, uh, Civil War pension which paid like $20 a month in 1905, but he had to prove that he was a soldier and he had to verify it and have other people swear that he was in this particular unit and he applied for his pension records. So I got all of his civil war history as a Confederate soldier, uh, you know, from that one source. So that's available from state archives. If you have parents or grandparents that served in World War II or Korea, if you provide a death certificate, uh, our, the U.S. government, the military will provide you with the military records of a, a father or grandfather or uncle or whatever. So that's another place to go. Um, 
uh, church records. Um, I'm Methodist. My wife's Catholic and the Catholics do a lot better job of recording history than the Methodists. And she, uh, her family was from New York and Brooklyn and that area. And I have all sorts of baptismal records from the Catholic church on her, you know, great grandparents and uh, other relatives. So those are some really good places to go. Much of it's online, but not all of it. So, uh, and, and part of the hunt is actually going to those cemeteries, going to those courthouses, looking at the, there's nothing like picking up a document that's 120 years old or, and, and looking at it. It, it goes to Adam's point about it kind of colorizes it. It, it makes it real. Mm-hmm. It's more than just an image online. Yeah. You mentioned um, during our webinar of findagrave.com. Is, is that the website or, or service? Yes. And that's a great one, Adam. That's one that you can, uh, even though I think they're connected to Ancestry, you can actually go and pull information down at findagrave.com. And you can see pictures uh, that volunteers go out and take pictures of headstones and, and cemeteries. Sometimes they put information about the family on the page. So that's another great source. And as I recall, I haven't used it directly outside of Ancestry in a while, but I believe that you can go in and pull information out. You just can't document anything there unless you're a member of like Ancestry.com. Gotcha. Okay. So find a grave uh, is something to research your ancestors, not necessarily to find prime real estate for, for your, your own personal <laughs> eternal resting place. Well, interestingly enough, I've got some <laughs> graves available over in Tallapoosa, Georgia, that I, there are six graves that are unused. And I actually claimed them just because somebody had in my family had died and not done so. So if anybody's looking for you know burial plots in uh, Harrelson County in Tallapoosa, Georgia, <laughs> I've got a prime spot and I'll sell it to you cheap. Oh, is that uh, this is getting away from the topic, but is is that comforting at all knowing knowing <laughs> that that's your spot? Like that's such a I, I had never thought about. No, this. you know what? It's not my spot, and I'm not one of these people oh, okay. that want to go put my name on something before I'm there. Uh, so, mm, but okay. I, I will tell you this, uh, cemeteries are fabulous and you can go to historical uh-huh. societies as a resource. If you're looking for information, uh, there's something special about going to a cemetery and seeing, you know, somebody from the 1840s or 1790s or 19 early teens and seeing where that resting place is and touching that headstone. Uh, I've actually gone out and had some of them cleaned and restored. I've actually marked some graves of some of my great grandparents that had not been marked, Oh, and wow. uh, at once I was able to prove they were there by going and doing some research. And uh, I felt like I was honoring those people that went before me by doing so. And uh, so, you know, I think that's a, that's a really important thing. And it's a, it's a place of, it's, it's, a, it's a solemn place, but, you know, a trip through an interesting graveyard, particularly if you live in an area that's a little bit older, particularly in the Northeastern United States, is a fabulous trip. So, uh, you know, again, you can kind of reach out and touch history, so to speak, because you can imagine those people as they were being buried there and their family and what they experienced. And and to Adam's point from earlier, it colorizes that 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 memory and uh, and that historical note. So I would recommend you using that. That's a great that's a great point. What yeah. an incredible experience. Cool. Well, and I guess, um, you know, Carl, to, to add to to your um you know, perspective and the tools that you've referenced just a quick, as a quick aside, you know, being a 23andMe user for, for any listeners who are interested in that. Um, the one uh, thing that I'll say about the, their ancestry tools is because it's genetic, you know, they're really trying to map out um, your genetic you know heritage, which provides kind of a, a global perspective on human migration. Uh, and so it is really interesting just to kind of see, or I found it very interesting just to kind of see like the, um, you know, they, they talk about kind of like the, you know, your ancestors from, you know, thousands of years ago and kind of like, you know, their, their global migration and ultimately how you ended up where you are. Um, so they're not necessarily connecting you based on documentation, which is of course, you know, ancestry's strength, but, you know, I do think that it also provides an, an additional layer to understanding your, uh, human story and kind of how you mm-hmm. came to be. And um, I really found that the tools uh, that they focused on from a genetic history perspective, uh, really, really fascinating. So well, if anyone's uh, interested in that, I give it a, 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 you know, two thumbs up, but certainly I think both services are, are great at doing what they do best. Uh, I, and they're, they're providing a little bit of a different service. Totally agree. And I need to get involved with 23 and me. I, I, you know, one of the, one of the, 
things that I understand 23andMe does. It gives you also kind of a, a look at uh, health issues and whatnot. So it can kind of map genetic health issues and problems and, you know, provides you with a little more detail about who you are genetically as a, you know, in a variety of ways. Ancestry, you know, they take DNA and then they take the, uh, the, 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 the family trees that people have put up online and it allows you to kind of look through and, and see and compare. Uh, it gives you some hints that way that it ancestry strength with these family trees that people have created is they take the DNA match and map it. You know, I've got like 6,000 cousins that they list. I think it's somewhere between four, five, 6,000, and I'll never know who they are. I mean, I, I'll never have mm-hmm. any way to connect them. A lot of people just take the DNA test only, but it has allowed me to meet and work with and create some friendships with some second and third and even fourth cousins uh, that I never knew that I had. And we've been able to, you know, like solve some mysteries and then raise some other questions about who we are. So the DNA component's fascinating. One aside to that, guys, is that a lot of you, if you watch any of these shows on, on network television, like uh, 48 Hours or whatever, there are a lot of criminologists that are now using the a public database that where people submit their DNA. And uh, I don't remember the name of the public database, but they're using that to try to solve murder mysteries where they have DNA from a crime scene from the 1970s. And they're able to use today's DNA technology to figure out who actually left that DNA through blood or whatever at a crime scene. And they've actually solved a number of murders uh, and other crimes because of that. So if you've committed a crime several decades ago, don't put your DNA out there unless you want to get caught. <laughs> yeah. And I will, and I will say too, you know, for anyone who are uh, concerned about, you know, uh, public access to records, of course, through these services, I assume ancestry is the same as 23andMe, but you can, um, you know, uh, opt out mm-hmm. of, you know, that, that data being publicly accessible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so if that is your interest, you don't have to completely opt out of the service, but you can, you know, ensure that your data is protected. Well, it is a privacy issue. And I think uh, I think uh, the, the, the generation of young adults today probably view privacy different than we viewed it 20 years ago, 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, we all give up a lot of privacy online. I mean, Google and everybody else. I mean, they have all these details about us. Yeah. Cell phone, you name it. And, uh, you know, we don't there's not a lot of privacy out there anymore. But I do have one of my sons. I have two sons. My young, my older son's DNA is there. My younger son, he says, no, I don't want my DNA out there. It's a private issue. You can also uh-huh. mark your, your family trees that you build. You can, you can hide living people if you don't want people to see the family mm-hmm. tree, because most people are more interested in the past. But if you want living people to be shielded and don't want them to, to, to be out there, you can make sure that they're, they're pri- marked private and nobody sees them, which I think is, is important because you need to protect your privacy. Yeah. Um, Carl, before we wrap up, I do have one other question for you. Um, you know, again, as someone who is interested in the ancestry service, I know that uh, I have a relative who, similar to you, you know, has spent an extensive amount of time, you know, with ancestry to look up our family tree. And, and she has provided some of that information to our family. Um, she's on my father's side. So, you know, we don't really have anyone to my knowledge who's done it on my mother's side. If I become a customer through ancestry, if I, um, you know, link to her, uh, the, this family member who has done a, a good amount of research through Ancestry, does that then populate, um, you know, you know, utilizing kind of what she has found? Um, or is it I'm still going to have to do that research on my own to, you know, to duplicate her efforts? The, the beauty of a service like Ancestry or Family Match or any of these other services You can, uh, and I can speak to ancestry. You can put it'll if you begin to build a tree or you have an ancestry, it will tell you who else is researching the same person. So if that name is matched, and you can compare family trees on a side by side comparison. Uh, The caveat that that to me that I always offer to folks is don't believe anything that everybody else has done unless they cite it with a good citation. So in other words, when I put in information. Uh, I'll say it's from the 1870 census, or I'll say it's from the probate will of so-and-so. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. times people just take a quick look at it. And if it's a common name, they make mistakes. They'll see that this, uh, for instance, they'll see four children in the 1890 census under somebody's name, and they'll assume they're all they're all daughters and sons. Well, it could be that 
that they might be a niece or a nephew or somebody that was just a border living there. And it may or may not be marked. And let me just say this, when you go through the census records, which are the probably that's the, the holy grail for everything that we do in North America and, and the United States, um, you have to be careful because uh, the census takers were just average people. They were illiterate, but they were interviewing people that many of whom, particularly if they were rural people, they I had re- ancestors in the 1800s, they couldn't read or write. So they would say, mm-hmm. uh, uh, my son, Adam, well, how do you spell Adam? Is it Adam? They're like, well, uh, I don't know how to spell it. So the guy would put A-D-A-M-M or something. And so you'd see misspell, yeah. misspell things. I have cotton relatives like the the fabric or the, the, the plant uh, spelled Colton or Calton. Sometimes their <laughs> handwriting is bad. Uh, uh, t- today's generation, these young kids that are coming up today that don't use and at least not exposed to cursive writing wouldn't be able to read most of these documents because they can't read cursive. Ancestry is mm-hmm. pretty good about translating that and giving you a type copy of it. But all these people made mistakes. So when you go through it, don't trust the information. Know that the people that were being interviewed, many of them were not completely literate. And uh, there are, you know, you can't, you, you can, you can see a lot of mistakes made and you have to kind of navigate that. So that's, that's a caveat, but be sure that the information cited before you adopt it, but you would not have to go back and reinvent the wheel to your initial question. There's, they will share that with you. You can put that into your tree once you're sure that's good information and build it out. You would start with yourself and then work back on your father's side and then you know, go through those lines and then work back on your mother's side and work through those lines. And, and, and I would build it one line at a time until you get to a point you can't go any further and then go to another branch and go to another branch. Stay focused on that branch because it's like a, a, a big puzzle. You need to keep your head in who these people are, where they were as you begin to solve the issues and begin to see who is related to who, whom. So, you know, that's just a little advice on that. Uh, and so, it's funny, uh, the illiteracy uh, piece. Uh, yeah. Adam, I don't know <laughs> if I've ever told you this, um, but that you're Brenton, illiterate. My last name is actually no. <laughs> a misspelling. Uh, so my oh. uh, great is either my great grandfather or my great great grandfather um, immigrated to um, to Canada from, I believe, England. Uh, and was illiterate. And it, uh, I believe, um, I can't remember exactly what the spelling was prior, uh, but Brenton was how he spelled it out phonetically. Um, and so to your point, Carl, like that's my, that is literally my family history. Uh, so Brenton is a completely made up name, uh, which is why it is, is rarely, uh, fairly unique. Like I don't feel like I encounter very many Brentons. Um, Mm. So, uh, funny connection there. Well, and you're not you're not Christopher Benton. <laughs> not that I know of. I don't think that it was that misspelling. We think that it may actually be spelled like Britain, like the you know Great Britain, um, oh. but uh, we're not a hundred percent sure. But those are so phonetic names, and you'll see different spellings. Uh, one of my family's names, you know, has like is is Dura D O R O U G H, but many times within the same generation, they spell it with two R's. So you're right. People were illiterate. And remember the folks that were coming in the, in the 1800s from Eastern Europe through Ellis Island, a lot of the people at Ellis Island, the clerical people there would try to get their names. And these other, these folks spoke Polish or Czechoslovakian or whatever. And uh, they would almost just invent a name for these people or, or they would <laughs> Anglicanize it in such a way that uh, you wouldn't recognize it. So a lot of people have names that really were only changed a couple of hundred years ago, me included, and for a variety of reasons, but that's what makes it kind of fun. And that's that's kind of the exciting part of kind of exploring that. Uh, but uh, the, the, the best way to figure that out is to just get involved. And you probably can figure out where those changes were and what the original spelling was perhaps. So uh, good luck with that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, um, on the topic of advice, would love as we wrap up here, just any quick do's or don'ts, um, just uh, um, you know, quick tips for uh, for people getting started. Um, do you have any any hard and fast uh, um, hints that that uh, that you'd have some do's and don'ts? Yes, and I would. It would I mentioned it earlier, but start call family members, email them, send them a Christmas card and tell them you want to follow up with them. Record your conversations uh, digitally. Uh, write it down. Uh, build your files uh, 
Adam, based on the the family surname. And even if it's a girl that gets married later as, a, as, a, as an adult woman, keep her listed with her original family. And because uh, her may, she may be married two or three times, you don't know. So stay with the original mm-hmm. names, build your, uh, build your files, get some of these big plastic boxes like you get at the container store and get some hanging mm-hmm. files that'll fit in there. I've got a closet full and everybody that does this winds up after about 10 years having three or four of these big boxes. Uh, scan the information as quickly as you can and get it into your digital files, no matter where you're building on Ancestry or, or wherever, uh, get it scanned in and get started that way. Uh, and, and get to read the local history of the people that you're, you're looking at, because it'll help you explain how they get from point A to point B. And you begin to put the pieces of the puzzle together because you're not just looking at dates and names. You're trying to build a story about your family. And 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 and, mm-hmm. and a history of it, and that's the best part. And just you know, like Chris was mentioning, you know, wow, my family came through, and they changed the name spelling. I don't think that my great grandfather could read, and it's that whole story of not that they migrated from here to there, but why did they migrate? What did they do? What were their mm-hmm. occupations? So look at it as a story, not just a collection of data. Uh, and and cherish the people that you meet along the way because you meet some fascinating relatives. You have something in common because I'll leave you with this. If, you, if you're married or have a partner or girlfriend, whatever, uh, they don't really care about your family as much as you do. And they're going to be, they'll smile and listen <laughs> politely like my wife does, but you need somebody that you can be excited about finding something with. And that's the people that you meet along the way. Very cool. Um, Brother Carl, thank you so much for, for doing this with us. Uh, again, I was very excited to uh, attend the webinar. Christopher, I'm glad you got your chance to, to ask a couple of questions as well. Um, so very, very valuable. Um, Carl, is, is there, um, you know, if, if people are interested in learning more or would like to reach out to you, um, is that something you'd be uh, interested in or... Absolutely. I'm glad to help you listen. You know, I got after we did our uh, after we did the uh, Zoom uh, call the other day, I had several people reach out last night by email and I was able to answer some questions and I've I've made some new friends. And, uh, you know, we're having discussions about, you know, maybe they're they're beginning to walk through their history. So I can be reached. I'm happy to talk to anybody. Email is the best way to get me. And uh, since uh, you're not looking at it, I'll give it to you. It's Carl Jackson three at bellsouth.net. I spell Carl with a C and the three is a numeral, Carl Jackson three at bellsouth.net. And just send me a note and say you're a Sigma Nu brother. And I will look forward to answering questions or helping any way I can. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll put that in the show notes as well. Christopher makes really wonderful uh, show notes, and uh, that's a, a little plug for Christopher's show notes. If you haven't gone in and looked at that, our listeners, uh, Christopher does amazing work uh, getting our uh, podcast both uh, transcribed and also um, uh, notes on the episode itself, uh, including any relevant links or um, other plugs uh, in the show notes. So um, definitely check that out, uh, and if you ever have any issues um, you know, with that, definitely reach out to us. Us, um, news at sigmanew.org uh, and and uh, we can uh, can help you out there um, but uh, Carl thank you again so much for, for being on the show um, we will talk to you soon thanks a lot and thank you for what you guys do for our national fraternity oh thanks Carl it's nothing <laughs> the bright star of Sigma New. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, wonderful, wonderful interview with uh, Brother Carl Jackson. Um, really cool. I, I think um, it, Christopher, uh, if you'll if you'll forgive my meandering uh, um, uh, segue into what, what we're talking about here, um, I am I, I'm a sports fan. I, I enjoy you know, watching sports and all of that, but I've never been the person that. Um, gets obsessive about stats and no you watch his sports center every night and and gets caught up on who's going where and, and who's from where and then you know all, all this stuff but what I love about sports is going and watching 
um, an event or or you know, watching on TV an event with with someone who is very passionate about it because I I love getting excited with them uh, when they when they have something that they're excited about and you know I felt a lot of that when uh, you when talking with, uh, with with Carl Jackson about genealogy right like he's very passionate about this and um, and to 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 see that that type of passion and to get to indulge someone in something that they're passionate about is really neat for me. And and then on top of that, you know, getting married this last year, like we did a little bit of family history research and finding pictures of grandparents and and uh, uh, and, and whatnot. And I was able to go even deeper, find like great grandparents and um, you know, people born in the the 1800s that that uh, are my my uh, ancestors and finding pictures of them and all that stuff was was really neat for me. So to kind of hear from um, someone who has been doing that type of research and and much more in depth than I was even able to go um, you know, research for uh, for his own family history to hear some of the stories that he's found um, it really is kind of a neat thing to, to to watch and be alongside someone who's passionate like that um, w- what were your thoughts yeah absolutely I mean I hope that our listeners could also hear my enthusiasm for for the conversation too I was super excited. Uh, when we uh, reached out to Carl and he was interested in, in you know, basically duplicating his efforts, uh, yeah. following up on his, um, I think, really well attended uh, webinar to then help us record this episode uh, so we could kind of bring that same conversation to a different audience. Um, I love this stuff. I'm super excited to he, I was super excited to hear uh, Carl's thoughts about it, to kind of get his tips and, and points a view. I, uh, you know, found myself uh, in the conversation being like, gosh, I just want to go over to ancestor.com again, yeah. not a sponsor, <laughs> um, uh, you know, to, to start that process right now. And so mm-hmm. I, I hope that our listeners um, felt like they got something of value of it. If the, if the topic was of interest to them, um, you know, I, I hope that again, it, w- it proves to be a very valuable resource. If it's not something that's interested in you, you're not uh, something of interest to you. You're not uh, particularly passionate about genealogy, or you know, uh, you know, finding, I guess, your your family history, or maybe that's something you've already done, and so this is something you're well versed in. I hope at least you enjoy the opportunity to again hear from another alumnus, talk about what they're passionate about, kind of like how they. Um, you know, uh, channel their passions, you know, into a mm-hmm. postgraduate experience. Um, and I'm glad that we get to feature uh, our alumni in this way uh, and really showcase, I think, just the unique uh, alumni and alumni interests uh, that uh, makes up the Legion of Honor. Yeah. Stated podcast purpose, connecting you to the stories from our brotherhood. And what a story. Absolutely. Yeah, um, pretty neat. And uh, it's um, I, I just thought it was cool that he kind of found out like, you encountered a problem, right? Like, uh, like, oh, you know, my my last name lineage stops at at this point, and and you know, it might be two hundred years, but like, I'm trying to go further back than that, and then finding out the solution to that, which is, oh wow, you know, like through this DNA tool, was able to figure out that actually, you know, I had an ancestor that changed their name for for some reason, and now, uh, you know, now that that whole uh, um, connection is. Uh, it enables him to go deeper and, and find now, okay, now he's going to research the, the Blakes and kind of figure out um, how far back that, that goes and what other records that, that opens up. So, um, yeah, re- really neat conversation. Glad we were able to have it. Um, and, and, again, you know, if that's something that, uh, that interested you, um, check out our, our webinar series. Uh, there's all kinds of awesome topics that, that we're going to be getting into um, in the future here. And uh, um, if you, you know, on that note, if, if you are an alumnus and, and you are passionate about something and you have um, this kind of more in-depth knowledge on, on a topic, uh, you know, like that, um, you reach out to us. We, we love to, to hear those things, be excited about those things with you and um, you know, to potentially um, uh, you indulge that a little bit and, uh, and, and start to share in that with you. So um, pretty cool. Well, um, so this is our, our last podcast before the end of the year, um, before the, the holiday season. Um, so from, from me to you, Christopher, and to, to our listeners, happy holidays. Um, hope you enjoy it. Hope you're able to um, spend some time with family, with friends, with loved ones, and uh, 
um, pets and uh, uh, and with yourself. Take some time for yourself. That's that's what I'll say. Um, happy holiday greetings from me. Um, Christopher, would you like to share your your holiday greetings as well? To those sentiments, um, you know, definitely uh, taking from this episode, you know, I hope maybe this gives some people, you know, inspiration to, you know, when you're around your family, you know, maybe now is the time to, to start up those conversations about, you know, hey, like, you know, I would love to learn more about, you know, our family history. You know, could you tell me that? Or if you're maybe around uh, some older relatives who you don't normally spend time with, you know, now's the your chance to kind of hear their, their uh, you know, uh, about their history uh, and stories from, you know, them growing up. So uh, hopefully people found that uh, as a source of inspiration. But uh, again, to echo your points, uh, we certainly want to wish everyone a happy holidays. Uh, lots of rest and relaxation and kind of what tends to be a down period for, for most folks. Um, and we'll be back with you at the beginning of the year with uh, a new set of, uh, of podcast episodes uh, on a number of different topics that we're excited for you to hear soon. Yeah, we um, Christopher and I did our, our planning meetings for uh, for the next season uh, uh, recently, and uh, um, very excited. A lot lot of really cool topics, and uh, again, just very thankful for this this platform to be able to um, explore some of these some of these stories and the, these topics that uh, that are important to our brothers, and therefore you know important to us. Uh, I think that's a, it's a really neat experience. So um, yeah, enjoy your downtime, and uh, and then we will be. Uh, hitting hitting the pedal hard uh, right out the beginning of the year with College of Chapters. So very very much looking forward to seeing our our new commanders. And um, honestly, for me, uh, I might have said this on the show before, but uh, the, you know the College of Chapters is a, a time that really energizes me um, for the year with uh, you getting to kind of feed off of the the passion and the energy that our, our commanders bring and the excitement that they bring to that. Um, so looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, a new year, 2023. Who'd have thought? I I always thought like, it, I remember you know being being a kid in you know two thousands and and whatever, um and, and just thinking ahead to like oh the twenty twenties wow that that'll be that's the future man and now we're here now we're in the future and it's uh, um, I don't have a flying car yet, um I don't know if I expected that or or what but I don't have one, not yet. Maybe one day. One day one day all right uh well thank you all for listening uh we very much appreciate you all uh and happy holidays and we will see you in we'll see you next year <laughs> who am i sir a fraternity man am i a sigma a new sir and will be until i die i'm rickety hoop-dee-doo what's the matter with sigma new hallelujah terrica who all together for sigma new ah!